Welcome back to Witch Church. It's Mal. Hey, sweet friends. Happy May and happy belated Beltane. I am currently recording this on the morning of May 4th, 2021. I've spent the past couple days having some very nice spring bell time bell time beltane celebrations with um just myself and nature and planting seeds and all of that good stuff that's um happens around beltane i think beltane might be my favorite witch's holiday just because it's the celebration of coming out of winter we have this like plain gardening plot in front of us that has fresh soil and it feels like around this time we always get kind of a clean slate which is always kind of exciting and it's also I think Beltane is a good time to take inventory of the goals or the dreams that have been in the back of your head, I guess, for a long time that you never got around to actually planting. (laughs) And there's something with that around this time too, like revisiting an old dream or finally doing the thing or finally planting the seed to do the thing. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's a sweet witch's holiday for me. So I hope you all had a great Beltane. And even though it's traditionally on May 1st and May 2nd, I would think that we can celebrate, you know, the first couple weeks of May. We can continue the the planting of the seeds sort of ritual type of thing, okay? Um, and la- late last night, Mercury went into Gemini, and I was actually waiting for Mercury in Gemini so I could record this, <laughs> I don't know. I don't exactly know why I felt like Mercury in Gemini was going to be a good influence. I mean, Mercury in Gemini is Mercury in its strongest sign, at least one of its strongest signs, right? So I just kind of felt it might add some some good juju to this episode, but we'll see because, of course, the shadow of Mercury in Gemini is... Um, not being able to focus and being all over the place and we all know that I have (laughs) some of those issues so we'll see we'll see how the recording of this episode goes but I'm so excited for May I'm so excited for May's astrology and I'm really excited for some of the shifts that are coming towards us and from what I've observed from clients and my friends and even what you all have been telling me if you if you attend witch church live on instagram on sunday mornings even my witch church goers um i feel like everybody has been feeling like there's just something in the air like something is changing um the winds are blowing in a different direction And that's really what May feels like to me. And as an astrologer, you all know if you've been listening to these sermons for 
all of 2021, you know that I've been mentioning Jupiter in Pisces, um, the shift in, sorry, Jupiter shift into Pisces since probably January. So Jupiter's shift into Pisces happens this month. And I think that's really exciting for a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons just being that this has been a transit that us astrologers have been keeping keeping our eye on for a while now. So um, we're going to talk about that. We'll do a little overview of May's astrology like we usually do. And then we'll go into the channeled messages for this month. So thank you so much for being here. If you are new to the Witch Church podcast, hey, I'm Mal. I'm a professional astrologer, tarot reader, intuitive. I'm a tarot teacher. I'm finishing up a tarot class right now and I'm really sad to um, let this uh, this group graduate because we've had a really good group um, I always have really good groups, I feel like, but um, this one was definitely really magical. And if you are a person who has been having their eye on my tarot classes for a while, it looks like the next class will be in September. And it's kind of like my goal, hopefully moving forward with my business, to always do a spring class and a summer class for tarot, at least for now. Um, one of these days, I'll start teaching astrology too. That's always in the back on the back burner for me. Um, it's just that I have such a deep passion for astrology, and I have such a um, respect for the subject that I would I would never want to do a disservice to the subject. So. And also, my friends, I have Saturn in the ninth house. So if I'm teaching something, <laughs> it's because I believe that I can do a justice to the subject. So on the end of teaching astrology, like a full course, that will be in the mix at some point. But I might need probably another year at least or a couple years to continue to kind of master um not that you can ever truly master astrology, but you know, you know what I mean. I might need a couple years to continue to marinate, but that'll that'll come all in good timing. But for now, we're just in the tarot course situation, and I do have mini astrology classes that pop up from time to time that I post about on Instagram. So I don't have a full astrology course yet, but I do have sort of the mini pop-up Zoom classes and we do fun topics like the moon or aspects to Venus or perfection years. So if you're kind of looking for a little bit more of a low-key, I just want to dip my toe into astrology kind of thing, follow me on Instagram and keep an eye out for when I post about little pop-up workshops because those are always fun as well. And I think that's about it on my end with the announcement type things. My May books are open, of course. So if you've been interested in receiving a astrology reading, a natal chart consultation, um, 
tarot reading, distance Reiki, those things can all be booked on my site. In June, <laughs> in June, I th- think I'm going to rearrange my pricing just a little bit. Um, on the one end, I feel as though it is time to raise my prices as hard for me as that is. Does that make sense? Um, as difficult that as that is for me because I think... Uh, like I, I truly want to be able to be of service to everyone who feels called to have a reading with me. I also um, am entering into a new um, a new uh, chapter <laughs> of my adult life where we have these things called bills and <laughs> We have these things called, um, I had to get my own health insurance because I get, I got kicked off my parents' health insurance. And, you know, there's just, there's just some, you know, muggle things that are, um, kind of on the horizon for me. And yeah, so my prices are going to go up a little bit, um, coming up in June. But however, I am also kind of calibrating some sort of sliding scale situation. So it's not to say that that's going out the window at all. Um, There still is going to be some pricing options. I'm just kind of working out what feels fair to you all and what feels fair to me. And also, I'm trying to value what I have to offer. I know this is a huge shift. <laughs> I'm trying to value myself in a more significant way. And um, it's funny because, um, well, it's not funny, but I feel like in a couple, in like a handful of recent client readings, um, people have told me in um, in giving me very high compliments, but they did use the word value. And this has happened more than once. They were like, I really value your work. And it kind of felt like the universe was speaking to me through them. And the universe was kind of reminding me, like, you do valuable work. And I'm kind of having a moment where I'm like, yeah, like, I, I do value my work. And I do do very, I work very hard. And I take my client work really seriously and um and I truly every client that I have I dedicate that time to fully be of service to them you know so anyways that being said like I know my intentions behind my work are always to be of service and to provide something that's really valuable for anybody who wants to work with me so that being said That's kind of what's cooking behind the scenes. If you want access to my current prices, those will stay the same throughout May. Um, So I would suggest if you've been wanting to book and you want to book under my current prices, do so this month. And in June, things are going to be raised just a little bit, but yet we're still going to have some sliding scale options. Okay, so... That is my current business rite of passage. This is this is what I'm learning. You have to you have to evolve as a business owner, right? Okay, friends. So that is it for my business announcements. And 
let's get into May's astrology talk and then we'll I'll weave in as I normally do I'll weave in some of the channeled messages (laughs) because um, I think the channeled messages for this month are pretty big Um, so today or I should say late late last night May 3rd uh, Mercury entered Gemini right so that's why I'm super chatty today um (laughs) um, mercury entered gemini and on may 9th venus will also enter gemini okay so we're gonna have mercury and venus together in mercury sign right and for the past couple weeks we've actually had venus and mercury together in taurus in venus's sign right so it was almost like in the past couple weeks, Venus has been um, kind of like the landlord of Mercury. And when Venus is the landlord of Mercury, um, we have maybe a little bit of trouble with the details. We have a little bit of trouble with motivation. We have a little bit of trouble with organization. So I'm a little bit relieved, actually, not that I don't love Venus in Taurus, but I'm a little bit relieved to see that early in May, Mercury enters Gemini and Venus will join Mercury in Gemini, because that means now Mercury's more in charge, and Venus is now going to answer to Mercury instead of the other way around, right? So speaking of Beltane, Beltane, remember, is a time to plant our seeds. Beltane is a time to kind of review review our messages from spirit, quite frankly. Because why do witches um, go internal in the wintertime? <laughs> why do we go into the hermit's cave during wintertime? Why do we... Um, why do we do all this shadow work and um, internal reflection um, during those winter months? Well, it's because we're doing a lot of high priestess, queen of cups, hermit kind of internal reflection. We're in the winter time. That is what witches are doing. We're not just avoiding the cold, right? <laughs> we are getting in touch with on a deeper level with ourselves and with our guides and ancestors and by this time in the cycle of the witch's year right the circle of the year why am i forgetting what it's called <laughs> the wheel of the year there we go in this time of the wheel of the year um now we're coming out of the cave right so now we actually have things on our plate to put into motion it's as though let's say we've been on this like silent meditation retreat for quite a while and now the retreat is over so we have to sort of think about and compartmentalize and integrate all of these maybe intuitive hits that we received while we were at the meditation retreat right so now we're leaving this retreat and we're ready to go out into the world and actually integrate what we have learned right so this is what this time of year 
signifies in the wheel of the year it's when we leave the cave we're leaving the retreat and it's time to put some things into order and action which is why I love to see this Mercury entering Gemini and Venus entering Gemini at the beginning of May because that Gemini energy I have a really strong feeling this is going to help us um, get organized with our dreams. Also get a little bit more realistic. Um, And I, as a Pisces, um, maybe some water, water signs who are listening are like, I do not like the word realistic. (laughs) And that's fair. That's fair. Because I think there's like a certain connotation of pessimism that is uh, linked to the word realistic, right? Like, let's get realistic or be realistic about this. It kind of implies that there's something boring or not fun about the endeavor. But I have to say, I kind of think both Mercury and Venus in Gemini kind of make being realistic kind of fun and more exciting than it typically is in a weird way and I think that we're able to actualize some of the things that we want to put forth in an easier and more organized way. Granted, Gemini um, is again a little bit all over the place especially when Mercury's in Gemini so we may have a little bit of trouble being focused We're going from Mercury in Taurus, which we've had for the past couple weeks. So that's sort of like my mind is lacking motivation. My mind is searching for pleasure. My mind might be searching for distraction. Um, But it's more in an avoidant kind of way. Whereas now with Mercury in Gemini, our minds are seeking stimulation. And I do think getting organized and getting realistic about how we're going about the next chapter of our lives is important at this moment. But the Gemini energy is kind of like, all right, but we're still having fun. We're still kids with this. (laughs) We're still um, kind of hopping around and experimenting and seeing what works. But overall, I think it's a really good energy for those of us witches who have just planted our seeds and now we're going to see what happens and now we're literally trying to integrate and bring these seeds to life right and I think Mercury and Venus and Gemini are really good energies for that and then of course dun 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 the moment we've all been waiting for at least (laughs) the moment that all astrologers have been waiting for (laughs) for um like a year and a half uh, over maybe even two years (laughs) jupiter entering pisces this is a transit like i said that i've mentioned before within the 2021 sermons this is something that i've been trying to prepare my sweet sweet audience for for a while because I wanted us to know that this was coming like I wanted us to know that this shift was happening mid-May and hopefully I've done a pretty good job at preparing (laughs) y'all for a little something a little shake-up 
But I think Jupiter in Pisces is such a gift that is coming to us. It's a short transit, remember, because Jupiter will enter Pisces on May 14th. And Jupiter will only get to two degrees Pisces. And um, by the time Jupiter gets to two degrees Pisces, um, and by the time it's the end of June, Jupiter will station retrograde, right? And move back into Aquarius and stay in Aquarius until the very end of 2021. And then finally, at the beginning of 2022, we get that nice big Jupiter and Pisces moment again. So we can think of this Jupiter and Pisces transit, this very short, but I think very sweet and prosperous Jupiter and Pisces transit this month. It'll really be like May, May, June, and July. We can think of this as sort of um, uh, like the 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 floodgates are opening like there's some kind of shift or change that is starting to flow and I'm kind of torn myself because I've heard some astrologers say don't get too excited because um you know Jupiter and Pisces will only be here for two and a half months right this summer so and for a lot of it Jupiter and Pisces will be in retrograde it's really Jupiter and Pisces is only direct for a little over a month right starting on May 14th so I'm kind of hearing a little bit of um, discord from the astrologers like is this really going to be all that great Um, or is this really just like a little bit of a sneak peek what's going to happen Here's the thing, I do think for some of us it'll be a sneak peek for a bigger story that will unravel in 2022, right? But I also can't help but remember that for the past um, couple years, Jupiter has been in Saturn-ruled signs, right? Jupiter has been in Capricorn all of 2020, And Jupiter has been in Aquarius for most of 2021, okay? Jupiter and Saturn ruled signs just feels (laughs) not great. (laughs) Um, Let's put it that way. Jupiter and Saturn ruled signs feels a little hopeless, more so in Capricorn, so more so in 2020, Um, with Jupiter and Capricorn, it can feel like we are searching for hope or faith. It can really feel like we're um, at times losing our hope and faith for the future or maybe becoming more pessimistic when we're usually fairly half glass full kind of people. And that's because Jupiter doesn't love to be in the Saturn-ruled signs, right? Jupiter wants to expand. That's the nature of Jupiter, right? Um, But Saturn wants to contract. So when Jupiter is in a Saturn-ruled sign, Jupiter shrinks and its powers um, just manifest in a little bit more of... um, uh, I don't want to say disappointing ways, but it's kind of like that. Like Jupiter and Capricorn is like, um, 
like you think you're going to get roses from your significant other for valentine's day but they get you carnations or something like (laughs) like jupiter jupiter and saturn world signs it just can be like a little bit of like a boner killer like disappointment kind of vibe right um so that being said even though jupiter shifting into pisces on may 14th we're only gonna have this direct for a little over a month right we're only gonna have a little taste of this jupiter and pisces here's the thing this is the first time we've had um jupiter in a sign that it actually likes right because jupiter loves to be in pisces jupiter does so much better in pisces than it does in capricorn or aquarius right so that being said my piscean heart (laughs) wants to say even though this shift is short it still is very abundant and prosperous and sweet and i think that we can get a lot accomplished and I think we can put a lot of dreams and ambitions into place during this short time right um so and for my tarot readers out there um who speak the language of tarot the nine of cups is um the Jupiter in Pisces card according to the order of the golden dawn right um because traditionally the nine of cups is called the lord of happiness and i think that's really um a beautiful way to look at this transit um how i view the nine of cups is that um the nine of cups if we compare it to something like the four of cups the four of cups is kind of like this pouty dude looking at you know what's in front of him and he's not he's not all that thrilled with it right so the four of cups is all about the feeling of being dissatisfied with our current reality right and the nine of cups is quite opposite from that the nine of cups we're able to find a great amount of satisfaction in exactly what is in front of us and we're able to see we're able to see the spiritual emotional and sometimes material potential of what is in front of us right and i think that's why this month is really special and part of the reason why i named this sermon paradigm Um, because with this jupiter in pisces transit i have a feeling that things are going to shift not necessarily because we get a golden present from santa claus wrapped in a red bow delivered to our front doorway right um or it's not like god is going to email us and say congratulations i'm finally um you know (laughs) i'm finally delivering to you what you've been asking for and you didn't even have to do any work you know it's not that kind of shift but what's changing is i think our attitude towards what we have in front of us right now 
And when that changes, truly our whole world changes. Um, And going back to the Four of Cups and the Nine of Cups, if we think of those two cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith, again, one depicts a feeling of disappointment in the present moment. It's a feeling of dissatisfaction and a feeling of... um, Like, oh, I just need there to be something more. Um, That kind of wanting, that desire that creates a lot of suffering, okay? Whereas the Nine of Cups, there, I feel like there is almost an absence of desire in that card, if you will. Um, Because that person doesn't really want for anything because they're able to find everything they need in what they have in front of them, okay? So imagine that a person could be in the exact same situation and the exact same situation could either be the Four of Cups or the Nine of Cups. Like that, those are the two options that you have. Like (laughs) those are the two potential attitudes that you could potentially have when looking at your situation, right? And there's something about Jupiter moving into Pisces on May 14th that kind of allows us to shift from the Four of Cups I'm really wanting for something else. I'm really, um, you know, suffering in the present moment because I don't have everything I want. And Jupiter moving into Pisces is able to provide us with almost this paradigm shift of realizing that what is in our present moment is exactly what we need in this moment, in this time right? Um, Jupiter and Pisces allows us to see, um, you know, the tool, the tool that we thought was not efficient enough becomes more than enough, um, if that makes sense. Like, and I don't know who I'm talking to <laughs> right now, but there's just like this funny message coming in uh, about like a YouTube channel um, or something. Like is someone here wanting to start a YouTube channel? Maybe it's me because I'm trying to start a YouTube channel here um, this month. That's one of my uh, Jupiter and Pisces projects. But um, like something like that, like you don't need the thousand dollar vlogging camera to start your YouTube channel. Like, you can use exactly what you need right now. It's that kind of thing. It's like, we're in the Four of Cups when we're like, oh, God, my my world sucks. Like, I don't have the $1,000 vlogging camera to start my YouTube channel. <laughs> I can't, I can't, um, I can't uh, pursue this dream because I don't have the thing. Um, I don't have enough. Whereas the Nine of Cups is like, fuck yeah, I have, uh, I have this, uh, old Nikon 360, I'm making this up, (laughs) uh, this old Nikon 360 vintage camera that my dad had in college, I'm gonna use this, like, and it's gonna be awesome, like, (laughs) like, that is, that is the shift, like, 
that is what is magical and i'm smiling as i'm uh saying this because that is what is so magical about jupiter and pisces it shows us that this present moment has so much of what we need and it is everything that what we everything that we need in this moment for our transformation for our expansion for our spiritual growth um I can't emphasize it enough like you you don't need um you don't need the class you know what I mean like you don't need the um another self-help book you don't need um you know whatever it is it's like Jupiter and Pisces makes us realize that we have everything that we need in this moment okay and I also think that May 14th, when Jupiter does enter Pisces, I don't know if you've noticed this lately, my friends, but I think what is in alignment is becoming very obvious and what is out of alignment is also becoming very obvious, right? We may have been in limbo about these questions for... Um, maybe since the beginning of 2021 like we may have been kind of more in a experimental I'm stopped at the crossroads kind of vibe um, for the last four or five months but now what's happening is the universe is presenting us with I think some very straightforward information about what is in alignment and what is not okay and with that information about what is in alignment and what is not, in addition to this kind of shift in seeing that you have all the abundance that you need in this present moment, um, Jupiter and Pisces, I just keep hearing like it's going to be you saying yes to something. There is a yes but here's the shadow side of any Pisces, major Pisces transit. It's not to say we can't say yes. And it's not to say we cannot be hopeful about this new opportunity. And it's not to say that we can't feel like it is completely aligned and correct for us, right? But I think when we have a lot of mutable signs specifically Pisces in the sky especially because Jupiter is going to be co-present with Neptune and Pisces um, and squaring the nodes and squaring Mercury <laughs> um, you know there's something here about sacrifice okay uh, there's a little something here this month about sacrifice. And again, here's the thing. Um, sacrifice isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sacrifice is sometimes just the payment for expanding. Sacrifice is the, is the energetic exchange at times 
in order to grow and go on a new path. And sometimes sacrifice isn't always bad, right? Most of the time it's not. Because remember, Jupiter wants to expand us. Jupiter wants to expand our conception of reality. Jupiter wants to change our perspective about something that is currently in front of us. Jupiter shows us kind of like the dusty camera, right, that's been up in the attic for a while and says, look it, isn't this magical? And you're like, okay, yeah, sure, let's try it. Like, that's kind of what Jupiter in Pisces does. Um, However, for us to say yes to whatever is being presented in front of us in an expansionary way, when we say yes to our expansion, we have to remember that there's often the energetic price of sacrifice. And that's okay. And that's kind of the shadow side of Pisces because um, Pisces energy sometimes doesn't necessarily want to look at the kind of uh, the price of their decisions, if that makes sense. However, I will say that I kind of resent, <laughs> I kind of resent the stereotype of um, Pisces being uh, told that they're delusional because <laughs> I like, I feel like that's like messed with my head. Like, I feel like at least once a week, I'm like, oh my God, am I being delusional? Like, because <laughs> I have so many, so much Pisces. I feel like I'm not delusional. Um, but sometimes I worry that I am because <laughs> we like call Pisces, um, energy delusional so much, but it's not that it's not that we're being tricked. It's not that we can't say yes to this opportunity. It's not that the opportunity isn't good. Um, it's not that the shift isn't right for us. Um, but it's just that sometimes to say yes to expansion means that you also have to be a student of that expansion, right? And to be a true student of expansion and life, you have to be willing to like make sacrifices and give up some stuff in order to go towards that expansion okay so even though the whole student of life thing that I just (laughs) that I just said it could be it's probably not literal for a lot of us let's make it literal for our example okay so I can put this more into colloquial terms let's say that the shift that Jupiter in Pisces is bringing is some sort of going back to school educational topic, right? Which could be true, especially for cancer rising people, because Jupiter in Pisces is going to be in your ninth house, right? Um, And this is kind of, (laughs) now I'm... (laughs) This is me because um, I do have a kind of an educational opportunity that is already like in the works. I already signed up for this um, astrology class that I've been wanting to take for a long time um, and is with a teacher that I really 
love um I'm going to be taking Achuta um, Bhava's class um, this year. Once Jupiter enters into Pisces, that's kind of when his class starts. But anyways, what's the sacrifice to that choice? Well, there was certainly a monetary sacrifice because astrology classes are not cheap, right? And in order for me to be a student of this class that I truly feel is aligned for me, right? Um, In order for me to be a student of this class and expand further in my career as an astrologer, um, and this being sort of also an investment in myself and my own business too, right? Um, because I think in order to be a good astrology teacher, you always have to also be like a, a student of astrology. You know what I'm saying? Um, you have to also invest in your own education to be a good teacher with any subject, right? So that's really what I'm doing, but there's a sacrifice to this choice, right? The sacrifice being, well, this class is expensive, And I don't um, have an unlimited infinite budget, right? So my budget for my, um, let's say, astrological education, my yearly budget (laughs) for astrological education is definitely maxed out, right, from signing up for this class. So that's kind of part of the sacrifice too, right? I'm not going to be really um, studying or saying yes to maybe a conference that I wanted to go to or maybe there's another class or maybe there's like little opportunities here and there for education in the rest of the year. For me, I may have to say no to those things because again, my astrological education spending budget... (laughs) has been maxed out okay um so it's that kind of thing right again I said yes to an expansionary opportunity that feels very in alignment for me and quite frankly I've been wanting to say yes to this for like a year and a half right um but in order for me to be a student of this expansionary endeavor I have to make a sacrifice. And that could also be coming into your life too in some way. Let's say you are expanding in the realm of love and relationships or something along those lines. Let's say you're saying yes to a new suitor who wants to be in a relationship with you. Okay, um... And let's say you've been loving and enjoying the single life for a really long time now. And let's say you've gotten very comfortable with being single and living alone, etc., etc. But, however, you just feel in your gut that this person is right for you and that this is feeling in alignment and you also feel like this new person has a lot to offer you right and maybe just maybe 
they're making you better in some way and you're making them better and there's just a feeling of this connection being um spiritual in a sense and there's something soulful about this connection right so you say yes to this relationship however you're also struggling with the sacrifice of not being single anymore and um you know there are sacrifices that kind of have to be made in order to be in a relationship right and also perhaps maybe you're also reckoning with some of your own shadow side that is coming up with making an in alignment decision maybe some of your old codependent or avoidant patterns are coming up with this person um, even though you love them and you feel like you're aligned and you want to be with them, maybe some old shadow selves are coming up that haven't come up in a while because when you're single, some things you don't have to face, right? Um, with And then when you're in a relationship, these are the new things that you are facing, right? Um, so we can see, again, just because you are making the correct and right decision for you just because you're saying yes to in alignment expansion and growth and just because you're given jupiter in pisces the thumbs up and you're like hey baby expand me (laughs) i'm fucking ready for change i'm ready for new responsibility etc etc that's all fine and dandy and to be honest that it's probably going to feel pretty darn good for a while there right for like a good month like we are vibing like we're like fuck yes like this opportunity yes love it um we are flowing right but just remember that just because something is in alignment does not mean that you're shadow self isn't coming along (laughs) you know um on the new ride or just because something is in alignment does not mean that there is no sacrifice to be made right and we could have the tendency to overlook that again with pisces energy it's not that pisces energy is delusional but it's that pisces energy believes in the goodness of the universe so deeply um, that sometimes um, maybe there's a little bit of a rose-colored glasses kind of thing that sometimes goes on with a lot of Pisces energy, right? And um, we then get to May 26th and we get our first eclipse of dun dun no i'm kidding um but we get our first eclipse of may on may 26th lunar eclipse at five degrees sagittarius on the full moon in sagittarius okay so the full moon in sagittarius on may 26th is also a lunar eclipse and what's interesting is this full moon in sag on may 26th will be squaring the newly uh bless or the newly ordained jupiter in pisces okay <laughs> so what this kind of reads to me as 
I think around this eclipse time, it will become more clear as to what needs to be sacrificed for the expansion. What is the price to being a student of this new endeavor, right? Um, And remember, Jupiter has us expand, right? Jupiter wants us to expand. But nobody just expands with the snap of their finger. Any true expansion requires you to be a student of that expansion. Real life example. Let's say your boss says, do you want this promotion? And you say yes. But it's a completely new ball game, right? With, um, with what you're doing at work now. You're going to have to be a student of that expansion, right? Um, same with something a little bit more spiritual. Let's say you are wanting to commit yourself more fully to connecting with spirit every day and you're now going to do some you're wanting to do some chanting and meditating and maybe you want to read one page of the Bhagavad Gita every morning or something along those lines Um, you are going to have to be a student of that process and part of being a student of that process might be waking up one morning and being like I really don't want to do this, right? (laughs) I really don't feel like meditating right now. I really don't feel like staying true to my commitment to myself, which was to read one page of this spiritual text per day. I really don't want to chant my mantra today. You know, like, here's the thing, like, being a student isn't always easy, and I'm saying that as someone who literally loves being a student, it's fucking hard, right? And being a student of the spiritual path is the hardest, right? So that's what we're remembering around this lunar eclipse. We're remembering that this expansion that Jupiter in Pisces is bringing us isn't always easy may require a sacrifice, may require us to be vulnerable. Sometimes it's vulnerable to be a student. It's a lot harder to say, I don't know this and I'm learning something new and I'm not going to be perfect versus, oh, I'm just going to stay in this old job because I know I know I can do it perfectly and there's no challenge. You know, like it's a lot more vulnerable sometimes to be the student than to be the master, if you will. There's something about that around the end of May, okay? And did I mention this? Sorry, Mercury. This, I already fucking know. This sermon's very Mercury and Gemini. Um, but that was my own doing. So hopefully you're following. Um, hopefully this makes sense. But um, why, why, yeah, why did I title, why did I title this sermon Paradigm? Well, partially because spirit this is the word that spirit gave me (laughs) so I I kind of had to do some research into why spirit was having why I was channeling this word specifically for the month of May and I think it goes along with how Jupiter in Pisces is 
coming to show us a new way of looking at our current reality. Because if we look at the definition of a of paradigm, okay, um, par- paradigm is a typical example or pattern, a model. So it's interesting because when I hear the word paradigm, I don't automatically think of a pattern, but it makes sense, right? Okay, so a paradigm in some sense is a pattern that we are used to and it's a pattern that we are living inside of, right? Now, the definition of paradigm shift is a fundamental change in approach or underlying assumptions. I'll read that again. A paradigm shift is a fundamental change in our approach or a fundamental fundamental change in our underlying assumptions. Okay, um, so this is kind of beautiful uh, because in a way, both the terms paradigm and paradigm shift have something to do with our outlook of our current reality. Paradigm and paradigm shift have something to do with how we are seeing the world and how we kind of have agreed with ourselves to see the world and how we've been conditioned to see our world, okay? And if paradigm is a pattern, right, and a paradigm shift is a change in that pattern or a change in your approach or a shift of something of a fundamental underlying assumption about the world. Could you see how like that could potentially be life-changing? Like having a paradigm shift could be life-changing. And again, having a paradigm shift is not necessarily receiving an email from God. Congratulations. You've won this um, lifetime escape to a deserted island where you're never going to have to work again and you're never going to have to set a boundary with that person who's annoying you. (laughs) You're never going to have to be uncomfortable again, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, it's funny, don't you feel like sometimes you're waiting for that email, right? Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, you know, that's not, that's not what a paradigm shift is. A paradigm shift is when we've re- when we're realizing that we may, we may be assuming something that is untrue. However, we could be living our life by that untrue truth, quote unquote, right? So maybe your paradigm is that you're never going to have enough, right? And that's kind of an example that I use a lot. Um, maybe your paradigm is like, for some reason, maybe it was childhood conditioning or maybe it was 
a trauma or whatever, but maybe one of those things or all of those things taught taught you that there's a deep sense of everything not being okay in the world, right? Maybe there's a deep sense inside of you and parts of your inner child that think that um, this is all there is, right? Um, maybe there's a deep sense of you that feels like you are incapable in general, right? I think a lot of us actually have that underlying belief in some way. Like, I am incapable. Um, I am not enough. I am not worthy. I am not valuable. All of that shit, right? And all of that shit informs our paradigm of how we see the world. So if we are walking around and we have all these unconscious records playing in our minds, (laughs) it's like, I'm not enough, I'm incapable, I can't do this, things are never going to work out for me. If that's our paradigm, well, fuck, of course, we're going to be in the Four of Cups a lot, right? Of course... The Four of Cups dude is going to be visiting us. Because I think the Four of Cups says that, you know, something about our paradigm of the present moment may be holding us back from actually seeing what this present moment requires of us, right? And a true paradigm shift means that we realize that Perhaps an assumption we've been operating under doesn't have to be true, right? And imagine how powerful that can be. Because if you've been operating under the assumption that you're never going to find a healthy relationship, well, fucking of of course you're not. Because if you're operating under that assumption, (laughs) that's all you're going to see reflected in the world, right? Um, and, uh, having a paradigm shift and shifting that assumption and operating from a new pattern of saying, I deserve love. You could see that simple thing could literally change our whole world, right? Um, and that's what we have to be careful about this month too, I think, We have to be um, careful about expecting material gifts that are, that we want to arrive to us. Um, I mean, that could happen for some of us. I mean, Jupiter in Pisces is strong, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that won't happen, but remember that the gift of this month is a much more a much more profound shift it's a spiritual psychological um shift of a pattern right and i think also there's something with jupiter in pisces that brings us closer to god and i know that might i know some people don't like the word god i personally don't have a problem with it 
I personally kind of like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you do not like the word God, just replace what I'm saying with whatever fits for you. The universe, divine goddess, mother nature, Gaia, spirit, whatever it is, the divine mother, um, whoever it is. But I think Jupiter and Pisces, because remember, this is fucking Pisces. Pisces, the sign of um, spiritual evolution. Jupiter and Pisces means that we're becoming better students of God and better friends of God (laughs) in a way. And that's the nine of cups too, right? Um, Because when we dedicate ourselves I think to just being students of the universe and um, being of service to God or being friends with God or whatever um, that's how we shift our reality from the four of cups the nine of cups okay Um, so I think there's one more thing I'm gonna listen for a second please excuse me Yeah, there's there's definitely something this month that has to do with, like, the way we're spiritually evolving. Um, there's something this month that has to do with faith. Faith in a really pure form. Um, the way, you know what faith really is? Faith is how healthy our relationship is with the universe and if we have a really healthy relationship with the universe faith flows really really easily but if we find ourselves losing faith a lot it's not that the universe hates you (laughs) it's not that god has it out for you um it may just be that What's calling to your attention is the question of how do I better inform and how do I improve upon my relationship with the universe? That's actually how we develop faith, right? And you may be asking, well, Mal, how do I develop my relationship with the universe? Personally, I think that comes from being dedicated to some kind of spiritual practice and I know that sounds really um, intimidating to some people but for instance my spiritual practice is taking nature walks every day um, and just listening to my guides and doing some chanting and walking meditation like that's my spiritual practice for the most part it's nothing too intimidating um but even that for me I think improves my relationship to the universe in a lot of ways okay and um oh boy we're we're an hour in schnikes okay (laughs) I knew I knew this uh I knew this uh mercury gemini um anyways one more message on this note There's something here too with Jupiter entering Pisces that has to do with our relationship to nature, our relationship to the universe, and also how nature can support us in 
being a vehicle for these paradigm shifts, okay? And stay with me here. Because uh, this came through actually when I was um, on uh, Instagram Live with Heather. And we were talking about uh, embodied movement or something like that. Um, and uh, it's funny because I got this message while I was on that live and I was like, oh, this message feels really important. I have to make a note to share it on the podcast sermon. And the message was about how if we have a problem or an overarching challenge or we're feeling stuck or we're feeling paralyzed or we feel like our relationship with the universe is lacking in some way or we feel like faith is running out, (laughs) whatever it may be, sometimes we can shift our paradigm by allowing nature to help us in some way and by reenacting our problem in nature. And I know that sounds really crazy. Like, did anybody... (laughs) As I said that, I had like a flash of like um, like Shakespeare's like Midsummer Night's Dream like go through my head like <laughs> like the thought of like enacting a play in nature. Um, that is such I love that play. It's such a good play. I wish I could go see it. Um, it's definitely not my favorite Shakespeare play to read, but it's probably one of my favorite Shakespeare plays to see. Um, but anyways. There's um, there's something about taking our problem to nature and reenacting it there. Um, and you're probably like, Mal, what the fuck do you mean? Well, I'm about to tell you, okay? So hang tight. <laughs> Strap in. But uh, let's say, let's take the classic example. I feel stuck. I feel like I keep hitting a wall, okay? Um well, go to nature, right, and find um, like a really rough thicket patch of tree branches or something. I mean, don't get poison ivy or anything, but go find that like a really rough part of nature that you can't walk through. And what happens when you quote unquote start hitting your head on the wall of that like rough patch of the forest? I don't know what happens. I'm just posing this question to you. Like, you kind of have to go and have your own spiritual moment. But yeah, like, what happens when you try to, like, walk into that part of the forest that clearly is too overpopulated with branches and twigs and and uh, leaves and you can't even get through it? What happens when you try to walk through it? Okay. Um, Let's say there's a pattern that you keep repeating or there's something that keeps coming back and circling your life. It's like a problem that keeps coming back around and around again. Okay, what happens when you go outside and you find a really, a tree that really, um, really connects with you and you start walking around that tree just like in a circle? Like, what happens when you start repeating that cycle around that tree? What do you realize about your situation that you keep repeating in your life? 
let's say <laughs> one more example this is the this is actually the message that I gave both Heather and I um because Heather and I are both um always <laughs> always uh contemplating locational situations <laughs> um but uh you know in that sense like wanting to be in a different location than we are right now okay what would happen if you climbed I'm not actually going to go climb up a tree but you can do this in your mind's eye what would happen if you climbed up one of the tallest trees in the forest and you're kind of like at the top of it like Edward Cullen Bella style and you're like you have this view of the entire forest and you look across the forest and you're like oh yeah you see that spot all the way across the forest that's where I want to be universe take me to that spot I'm gonna be happier there (laughs) okay Um, well what is the universe gonna tell you to do the universe is actually going to say, well, you're not making so much progress just sitting up here looking at the bird's eye view of what you want, right? You're probably going to realize, oh, I, I should actually climb down this tree and start going step by step in that direction. But I'm still going to have to move through the whole forest to get to that place, right? Um, so again, there's something about allowing nature to also shift our perspective this month Um, don't waste the magic of this jupiter and pisces transit i'll repeat this one more time but jupiter's only direct for a little over a month may 14th to june 20th is our time where jupiter and pisces is direct during that time use this time to shift the pattern to at least start shifting the pattern use this time to say yes to the expansion but also know that there's probably a sacrifice behind that expansion use this time to commit yourself to being a better student of the universe right use this time to try to figure out hey how can i have more faith in my life Um, how can I, uh, develop my spiritual practice? How do I become closer to God? How do I stop repeating this pattern? You know, like there's so many juicy nuggets we could use this time for. So don't waste it feeling stuck and trying to wait for some material change that you think is going to cure all of your suffering and unhappiness it's not that right we're not sitting here and waiting during this time Um, we're actively using this magic and trying to cultivate faith and abundance in ourselves and recognize that um, there's a very aligned way to use this present moment exactly as it is right now okay my friends so that's what i've got for the um astrology channeled message la la um 
I hope some of that made sense at least or I hope some of that uh, resonated with uh, at least a few of you um I have lots of love for you all um if you enjoy my monthly sermons or this podcast or you get something out of this podcast and you're wondering um about some ways that you could potentially give back or potentially have some sort of energetic exchange uh, with me, uh, there's a few things that I appreciate. Um, One would be just hearing from my listeners always really helps me. Uh, Just because being a podcaster is kind of like a little bit of a one-sided job and there's no <laughs> there's no comment section in a podcast which is kind of good at times but also um I don't know it, it can kind of get a little bit lonely like I know I'm talking to you all I feel your energy but at the same time sometimes I wonder I'm like oh did that really help anybody <laughs> so if this did resonate or help you feel free to reach out to me over dm on twitter or instagram or even email if you don't have those things and and let me know that um this resonated in some way because it helps me out and it helps me to know what you would like me to create for you okay option number two uh if you are listening on apple and you feel called to give me a five star rating that would be absolutely extremely helpful and also help other people find this podcast as well because the more ratings I have, uh, as far as I understand, my podcast starts to show up more when people search things like witch or astrology or tarot, okay? If you don't have Apple Podcasts but you have some sort of social media Um, sharing the episode on social media always helps me out. I really, really appreciate that. Or even just texting the episode to a friend also is super helpful. And finally, if you really, really love me (laughs) and you want some more Mal content, um, and, uh, yeah, and you want some more video content and you actually want to see my face, (laughs) A little bit more, I do have a Patreon account that you can join for as little as $5 a month. And by joining that, you help me with my uh, monthly expenses, which is always such a blessing. Um, And yeah, Patreon just helps me out so much. Even if you're... um, Even if you're on the $5 tier, it just really does. So um, join Patreon if you want to support this podcast, help support me, help me make more content and get some extra video access, okay? All right, friends, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll come back for the monthly Q&A. Okay, friends, we're back for the May Q&A. And as always, there's a very, there's some very deeply philosophical <laughs> questions we have on our plate today. So I am ready. My Pisces ninth house is ready to dive into these questions. And as always, but just in case if you're new, 
Um, I'm always kind of taking questions over email or DM. So, and I kind of make a little pile and then I get to them at the end of the month. So if you ever have a question that you would like to be answered anonymously on this segment of the podcast, let me know. It can be a spiritual question about witchcraft, astrology, tarot, um, your spiritual practice, meditation, grounding. It could be anything like that. Or you could also send more of like an advice column style question and I could also do my best to try to speak to your question. Um, so that's kind of the deal with the Q&A. Let's jump in, shall we? Um, okay, so this, let's just do the f- most philosophical question first. Um, <laughs> okay, so someone wrote in and said, I'm curious about past lives and reincarnation versus ancestral lineage and family ties. It feels like to me it's a choice. You either can believe in past lives and reincarnation or you believe in a kind of afterlife. I personally am drawn to the idea of different consciousnesses or forms and that we can still be in contact with our ancestry if you want to be. It seems like if I were to explore the idea of past lives with different partners, grandparents, siblings, etc., surely that means my ancestral lineage doesn't really exist? Because in each life, I'll have new parents, relatives, and potential nationalities. I'd be curious to know what you think about this. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for this question. Um, I really enjoy this question. And it's something that I've thought about too, like essentially how the belief in our ancestral lineage and like the praxis of ancestral trauma and ancestral healing that praxis operates on some sort of yeah assumption that you are your ancestors which you are genetically right like you're genetically carrying the code of your ancestors so on the one hand we do come from our ancestral lineage however um, there's also this question of past lives and how do past lives and reincarnation fit into this scheme of ancestral lineage because on the one hand we could feel as though we are carrying grandma's wounds or whatnot but then I don't know, maybe when grandma was a baby, you were the queen of England in another life. Like, (laughs) you know, so I I think that's what this question is getting at, kind of. How do these timelines actually work? And here's the thing. Here's how I'll answer your question. I absolutely have no idea, um, but I have some ideas (laughs) that that didn't make sense. I'll say, let me try that again. I'm going to speak to my ideas in a very humble um, way (laughs) where 
I'm definitely not the expert of how universal time works, right? Nobody is. But here's what I will say. I think your question really speaks to this underlying issue of being a human and when we are in this human form, we cannot completely understand how time works and humans see time in a linear way. So in a way, um, your question really speaks to the linear view of time, right? Well, how am I supposed to be carrying my ancestral wounds if a hundred years ago I was in a completely different life that wasn't connected to my ancestors that are that I am right now, right? So in thinking about time in a linear fashion, I like to believe that um, although it makes sense in human form, it makes sense to think of time as a linear thing, uh, like next year I'm going to turn a year older and today it's Tuesday, May 4th, but tomorrow it will be Wednesday, May 5th. In a way, we have to think of time in a linear way because that's how the world operates, okay? But in a spiritual sense, we have to remember we actually have no idea how time actually works. And there's actually a tarot card that speaks to this and that is the wheel of fortune (laughs) and the wheel of fortune is really depicting this sort of divine calendar clock kind of thing that gets at this question of how does time really work and it's funny because um what what i'm about to say is the most uh mal thing ever so just (laughs) buckle up but um the type of energy healing um my therapist does this really cool type of energy healing and I really won't go into what it entails because it's honestly kind of complex um but and I and I don't fully understand it but I know I really like this type of energy healing and um there's like this book that she has about this energy healing and If you've ever studied any kind of energy healing modality, like the most popular would probably be Reiki. Um, Something you learn in pretty much any energetic healing modality. Maybe it's Reiki, maybe it's craniosacral, maybe it's something else more shamanic. Something you'll probably learn is that when we're doing energy healings, um, all different types of time exist. And um, anyways, my therapist has this uh, list that she I asked her to make me a copy of it. And it's like this list of um, the different types of time that could potentially exist in this realm, <laughs> um, in this universe. Okay, so... I'm going to read these, um, all these different potential types of time that could be potentially existing all at once. Okay, so one, past lives in this dimension. Two, past lives in other dimensions. Three, the current life that had already happened. Four, the current future life. Five, parallel lives. 
six parallel universes, seven alternate universes, eight alternate realities, nine, the time before the world was formed, ten, preconception, eleven, during conception, twelve, in utero, thirteen, birth, fourteen, a future life, fifteen, uh, future lives, 16, dream states, 17, between lives, <laughs> um, 19, ancest- ancestor programs, 20, death or transitions, um, 22, point of creation. Um, so there's like, the, these go on and on, but it's basically this big list of um, like all of these types of time, how we can think of time. And I think it gets at that there's so much more to this universe than just this idea of how linear time presents itself. So to answer this question in the most humble way possible, in a way where I'm, obviously I would never claim to know the mysteries of the universe, right? But I think the answer to the question in a weird way is kind of both. I think because we are humans and we're in a genetic, we're in a physical meat suit body and science tells us that we carry the DNA from our ancestors and science also tells us that trauma can be um, embedded into our genetics and our DNA, right? So in a way, I think we very much are our ancestors and um, doing some kind of ancestral healing in this lifetime is probably important for most of us. However, there's also the soul, which is completely different from our physical body. And I think that's where things get kind of complicated. And I think the soul can travel in ways that we may not be aware of. Like maybe the soul travels to different dimensions or we're able to have an afterlife and then we come to earth and live a few lives here and then go back to spirit side of things you know like um that's kind of what I imagine um might be the case but at the same time I also think that it's really easy to get kind of caught up in a lot of uh, spiritual discord about these topics and I think it's also important to remember that if you're not into something you don't have to be into it right I know personally I speak a lot about past lives on this podcast <laughs> but if you don't feel particularly drawn to the idea of past lives and you feel much more drawn to the idea of ancestral healing by all means, you know, focus more on ancestral healing. Focus on what you feel called to. Um, To be spiritual doesn't necessarily mean you need to be remembering your past lives or, and just because you don't remember your past lives doesn't mean that you don't have them. They may just be that in this lifetime, you're not meant to transcend that in this moment and maybe you're meant to be transcending some more ancestral lesson perhaps for some other people in this lifetime maybe the ancestral lessons aren't as uh as important or 
let's say let's say the ancestral lessons aren't as great of a focus and there's a greater focus on a past life memory that comes through really strongly that needs healing that could be the case for some people too so I don't necessarily think we have to pick either or because we have to remember again time time is not linear although the human mind tells us time is linear um, there certainly could be a reality where everything about your question is existing at once even if our human mind can't quite wrap wrap its head around how that exactly works believe me mine mine can't either but (laughs) but I can kind of still see a little bit of how it may work um yeah so that's that's kind of my answer to this question and I really appreciate uh, (laughs) I love when people bring me these kind of uh these very uh philosophy major questions um so I love it uh I hope that helps you in some way okay let's get into a little bit of a more basic question but knowing me I'll probably make it complicated um someone just asked me how to get started with tarot and astrology and this is interesting because I think oftentimes at least in like the pop astrology pop tarot kind of thing I think astrology and tarot often get lumped together into into one entity like um, as though they are as though they go side by side or as though they're two subjects that relate to each other in a lot of ways and they do don't get me wrong I think especially um, astrology shows up in a lot of tarot and we could relate some things about tarot to astrology in fact I really like doing this as a astrologer and tarot reader myself but I think we kind of have to remember that if we're actually serious about studying tarot and astrology they're kind of two separate entities I don't think we can take them on all at once either because it's just so much (laughs) and I will say in my opinion I think that getting started with tarot um, at least as a individual curious seeker who is just looking into the esoteric discipline different esoteric disciplines and is interested in oh maybe I'll study tarot maybe I'll study astrology I think that tarot is a lot easier of a thing to start and potentially learn I don't I'm not saying that tarot is an easy craft by any means but it's easier in a few ways Um, one I think it's cheaper to study and be a tarotist for the most part um, just because what do you need to study tarot really at the end of the day all you need is a deck I would recommend the Rider Waite Smith for anybody who is wanting to start out that's like the classic deck Um, not all tarot readers will agree with me on that Um, And that's fine too. I mean, some people say that the Rider-Waite-Smith is problematic just because it is, um, it's basically the deck takes place within this sort of 
medieval Europe, European, white, heteronormative kind of society. So I can see why the Rider Waite Smith is definitely not the most inclusive deck by any means. And other tarot teachers may give you different advice, but for me, I still think there are so many. There's so much richness in the Rider Waite Smith, especially when it comes to learning. So at the end of the day, you really just need a deck. Um, a guidebook is nice or um, any kind of tarot textbook, but I would actually challenge you to just spend some time with the deck in its organic form for just a little while before you go searching for the quote-unquote answers or before you go searching for the quote-unquote meanings and just kind of seeing how you can kind of build a relationship with the deck just based off of what you're looking at and then maybe go into some books that might be um might be helpful to you of course what is it called 78 degrees of wisdom by rachel pollack is a classic i'm also a huge fan of the secrets of the weight smith tarot um by Tally Goodwin and Marcus Katz, I believe are the author's names. Those are my two like textbook definition kind of books that I really like. Whereas if I'm looking or I'm a little bit more of a colloquial kind of reader who wants to read something more casual about tarot, um, I really like the What the Fuck is Tarot by Bakara Wintner. I think that book really gets at the sort of art of storytelling with the cards and I find that to be a really good paradigm to approach the cards in. Like how do I tell a story with these cards? Um, There's also the Kitchen Table Tarot by Melissa Sinova who is a great writer of tarot books and um I think that book also makes tarot really accessible. So again, getting started with tarot is pretty easy. There's also a ton of podcasts, a ton of YouTube videos. I'm pretty sure Kelly Ann Maddox on YouTube still has like her really old videos uh, where she just basically runs through the all of the cards and teaches all of the cards. So she's a really good person to check out if you're into watching YouTube videos. And you can be totally self-taught um, as a tarot reader. Perhaps that's not very good for my business or marketing to say that, <laughs> but you definitely can. You can certainly take a class, and if you're the type of student who learns best with a teacher who is guiding you, um, there are many tarot classes that are out there that you can take. And yeah, I mean, there are many, many wonderful teachers out there of the tarot arts. So I think there's a lot of accessibility when it comes to learning tarot. Um, Now, when it comes to learning astrology, I think we're talking about a little bit of a different animal, if you will. (laughs) Uh, Because I think when we're perhaps thinking about embarking on the journey of learning astrology, I think it might be important to really consider why we're doing it. And I know that's kind of um 
that's kind of interesting like why well I want to learn why why I am the way I am right or I want to know the future right but here's the thing I think sometimes um, we have the tendency to think about astrology in this sort of way where we're treating it as though it's like this magical oracle that can give us the answers to our life but the truth is um I don't in my experience at least I've never gotten to a point with my astrological studies um granted I've I got my first astrology book when I was 12 during my first Jupiter return. So (laughs) astrology has been in my life in some way for over 12 years. Um, And I've been seriously studying astrology for a shorter amount of period. That was probably more like college. And then in Malaysia, I really started seriously studying. And then I have been with teachers since then. But anyways, I've never found that. studying astrology ever satisfies me if that makes sense like (laughs) like I never um I never get to my answer like you know most people might dip into astrology thinking oh I'm gonna learn how to tell the future I'm gonna learn what I'm truly meant to do in this lifetime and really what's gonna happen is that you're just gonna learn more and more and more and learning about one thing is going to boomerang you into learning about something else is going to boomerang you into a different direction (laughs) is going to get you into buying yet again another book that you said you didn't need but suddenly you have 20 astrology books on your shelf and it's just this like never-ending wonderfully philosophically confusing challenging artistic poetic subject that never ends and if you're the type of student who actually is attracted to that and you're like oh yeah like I that actually excites me I love learning and I love never getting to the answer (laughs) and I love um, being on this constant journey of my soul and um you know I love reading and seeking and exploring and I actually don't need to know any answers I'm just interested in probing the universe with my questions that's a really good mindset to go into the study of astrology with Um, however if you're the type of person who's easily frustrated by things that do not have a concrete answer per se or you're easily frustrated at things that might not come easily to you I think astrology is going to be a much more challenging subject for you that might not stick Um, because in my experience too when we study astrology our first step is to get a good foundational basis of what's the meaning of the planets what's the meaning of the signs and what are the meaning uh what are the meanings of the houses And that may sound very simple, but it's not. And in fact, um, I've been a professional astrologer for two years and I'm still studying those basics in a lot of ways, okay? So um, even like getting those basics down is quite the undertaking. You don't realize it when you first are getting into it, but it is. And then from there, once you maybe have a little bit of those basics down, then you can think about some more complicated things. But 
at the end of the day, um, yeah, astrology is just such a beautiful subject. I hope no one perceives what I'm saying as dissuading them from studying it. But I think it's just a greater undertaking than most people realize. And I think pop astrology, um, because we see that so much in the media, it has the tendency to present astrology as this thing where you learn the 12 signs and you learn who your best match is, you know, or something like that. Or you learn who you're supposed to date. And it's that really does an injustice to the beauty of this subject, which is really studying the language of the universe. And that's a thing that you don't want to do with disrespect. That's the other thing. I think approaching astrology with respect and almost inviting astrology into your life as though you are inviting in um a teacher that you're now going to learn from for the rest of your life like that's kind of how we may approach astrology in a really respectful and dignified way okay um and also the thing about studying astrology you can certainly be a self-taught astrologer I know a few um, but to be a self-taught astrologer you have to be uh, really good at being disciplined yourself there has to be some kind of passion inside of you for um, keeping yourself on track with your studies (laughs) and I think um, most people would probably do better finding an aligned teacher and that can take a while too right so astrology is such a process of seeking because when you decide to study astrology you start to question okay what kind of astrology do I want to study do I want to study Hellenistic do I want to study evolutionary do I want to study modern psychological do I want to study medieval do I want to study um Indian astrology or Chinese astrology you know like there's so many disciplines of astrology then then you open the can of worms of well who's my teacher and remember when we study esoteric arts you really want to feel like your teacher is someone who you want to grow with spiritually and you want to feel like a spiritual connection to your teacher in some way because you're going to learn best from those people, right? So then you're looking, okay, well, maybe it takes you a year of watching people's YouTube videos and um, listening to people's podcasts to really find who you want to study astrology with, right? Um, So it's kind of a longer process than just buying a book and being done with it. It's, um, It's almost like a you're opening your heart to um, to something that is much more than just like a basic study, okay? That being said, if anybody does want to get started with studying astrology, I have a few recommendations that are free, okay? Before you fork over, you know, however much money to take a class, which it's, it's usually a pretty large investment, um, you know, here's here's a couple free ways that I would suggest maybe dipping your toe into this study and asking yourself, do I really want to commit myself to this? Um, one, 
the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan and Kelly Surtees and Austin Kopic is a great podcast. Um, and their podcast centers more of a Hellenistic outlook. Um, so, you know, and I, and I, and I do think that that's probably a really good place to start for most people. Um, so I would suggest just like listening to that podcast. And even if you don't understand it at first, going through the archives, especially in like the first 100 episodes, there's a lot of lesson videos, like the houses, the planets, the signs, go and listen to some of that and see what happens. Okay. The other thing right now, um, on YouTube, the YouTuber Stormy Grace is right now running like a free YouTube Astrology Academy. And you can literally take it for free. Um, And she has like all these cool teachers giving lessons and stuff like that about like the basics of astrology. And I think that's a really awesome thing that she's doing because... I mean, for years, so many people have been complaining about, um, not complaining, but reflecting that there's a lot of gatekeeping in the astrological learning sphere because astrology classes are typically really expensive, right? And there's a reason for that. I mean, if an astrology class is like $1,500, it's probably a year-long course or whatnot, but um anyways yeah there's there's a lot of different discords about how astrology learning astrology isn't really accessible and la di da di da and what stormy grace is doing on youtube she's actually making it really accessible so go to her youtube channel and check out some of those lessons on the youtube academy Third, if you're just looking for a book, if you're more of a reader and you just want one book to dip your toe into, I've recommended this book before, but um, Chani Nicholas and the book uh, You Were Born for This, I think is a great place to start, especially if it's your intention to get to know a little bit more about yourself through your own natal chart. Okay, so I hope those are some getting started tips that can help you, but also I hope that I can... um, maybe get you to think about on a deeper level like the why behind um, behind why you may want to study some of these things, right? Okay, last question here. Um, guidance on working with perfection years um, with regards to reflecting and planning ahead. Okay, so this is a little bit more of a technical astrology question but I will do my best not to get too technical although I may fail because Mercury is in Gemini as we speak so just a rough spark notes what is perfection a perfection year um really what this person is talking about is it is an ancient timing technique that comes from the Hellenistic period um called the annual perfections okay So if we think about how a natal chart looks, right, we look at the 12 houses, okay? Um, And the ancient astrologers believed, and I'm just going to explain this in my own way, although 
there's probably a more accurate technical way to explain this. This is how I'm going to make it accessible. The ancient astrologers believed that um, we have, right, we have the 12 houses in our natal chart. And each year of our life, we sort of, quote unquote, live inside one of our houses. And um, we sort of go around the wheel in order. As we get older, we go from house to house to house. We go from the first house to the second house to the third house to the fourth house. Around, around we go. Um, and every 12 years, we get back to the first house, right? So at age 12, we're at a first house year. At age 24, we're back at a first house year. At age 36, we're back at a first house year because we have just lived around the whole circle, right? So um, for instance, like if the first house is... Um, uh, the first house year is when we are 24. Then when we turn 25, we're in a second house year. Then when we turn 26, we're in a third house year. Then when we turn 27, we're in a fourth house year, etc., etc., right? And it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a puzzle piece from there because once we know our age, we can figure out which perfection year we are in right and um i can just use myself as an example so i'm 26 and when you are 26 you're in the third house perfection year right so now i'm thinking about the themes of the third house um so my third house is in virgo and i'm thinking about themes like speaking writing communication siblings is a third house theme technology, vehicles, that kind of thing. Um, short distance traveling is a third house um, topic as well. So at, at age 26, I might have those topics come into my life in a more significant way. However, what's even more important, um, I'm in a third house year, but who is the landlord or the ruler of my third house? Well, if my third house is in Virgo, who is the planetary ruler of Virgo? Mercury, okay? And then we're going to find my Mercury placement. And now we know that Mercury is sort of the landlord of my year. So it's almost like I'm living in the apartment of my third house for my entire 26th year. But I have this landlord who I'm also answering to who is Mercury, right? And I'm in a Mercury year. So Mercury is a lot about doing research and um, collecting information, commerce, business. So um, I'm thinking about like how those themes are going to become apparent in my life. And you may be thinking at this point, you might be like, well, this doesn't make sense to me because then that means, well, if everybody at age 30 is in a seventh house perfection year um, and the seventh house means relationships and partnerships not every 30 year old is like gonna get married when they're 30 right well yes that's true but we have to remember that everybody's seventh house is going to be slightly different or profoundly different so even though the overarching theme of the seventh house is relationships partnerships and enemies everybody is going to have a different 
sign that is ruling their seventh house and thus a different landlord in a different house, right? Um, So there's different ways we can look at this. Um, But I would say my tip for you, if you're pretty well-versed in your perfection year, what perfection year you're in, and also the planetary ruler of this year for you, I would actually kind of get cozy with the planetary ruler. I think that says a lot about the year ahead. Like, you're kind of learning about let's say you're in a Venus year, maybe you're learning more about your Venus placement, maybe you're doing, you're deepening your relationship with Venus as a planet and as a goddess, or maybe you're in a Saturn year and you're taking this time to get more serious about a certain manifestation or work endeavor, or maybe you're in a Mars year and you're training for a marathon, or maybe you're in a Mercury year like I am, and you're doing a lot of research about your next step and you're learning more because Mercury collects information. Or maybe you're in a moon year and your your emotions are a huge thing this year that you're working through and even mom issues could come up, right? Um, so that kind of thing, I would suggest actually working with the planet and figuring out how to deepen your relationship with the planet or the landlord of your year. Okay, Um, so that is the chat. That's the the Q&A for today. I hope this helped some of you um, answer some of your questions, answer some questions you didn't even know you had. Uh, and I hope this episode served you in some way. I'm super excited because tomorrow um, I'm interviewing not one, but two very special guests for my Jupiter in Pisces special episode. So if you're still wondering a little bit more about what Jupiter in Pisces will mean, there will be another another episode about this coming up um, sometime in May, which I'm super excited about. So stay tuned for that. That's on the menu. And um, sending you all lots of love. And I'm so thankful for all of your support as always. And we will talk next episode.